we got some things up our sleeve, so. We are not good. What? We are not good, Chef. No? What's better than this? Guys being dudes. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Put in another Why the f- do I watch this game? One of the local writers, Adam Hoagie, or Hog, excuse me, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. From CHGO, it's Adam Hogue. Hey, George. Hi, Adam. Uh, and from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Adam Johns, go ahead. Hey, Matt, h- how you doing? Um, Coach Ditka versus the Hurricane, who would win? Ditka, Ditka. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The name of the Hurricane is Hurricane Ditka. Here they are, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. Hogue and Johns with you. Getting ready for week 11. The first time this season the Bears play the division leading. The NFC North leading Detroit Lions. The Lions are no longer the Lions. I was just about to say that. What fun is this? Um, Unfortunately, the Bears are still the Bears. We were talking about this in the media room yesterday. Like, What do you think the environment is going to be like in Detroit? Um, loud? Yeah, but like, th- yeah. this is like their best team that we've seen. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. No, I mean, to your Louder point, than usual? Yeah, we've covered a lot of games there where uh, there's a lot of apathy. Um, And I was like kind of joking there off the top, but like it, there's the Lions of the Lions thing. They got out of that. And in all seriousness, the Bears... I can't figure it out. Are the Bears where the Lions were last year at this time? Or like ready to get out of being the Bears and, you know, out of this enormous funk they've been in for a decade plus? Or is this just going to keep continuing? And like as much as we talk about Justin Fields, we're about to talk about that. Like this does seem like big picture uh, important times too for just the overall direction of this regime and whether they're going to dig out of it or not. Yeah, we're going to talk to Colton Pouncey from The Athletic about how the the Lions did that pretty soon here. I I know it's it's easy to draw some like parallels or, or look for those parallels, but... You know, to get to the Justin Fields conversation, like this doesn't work for Detroit without Jared Goff finding a home and becoming like a top 10 quarterback for the Lions. It just doesn't. Right. So where does this leave us with Fields? Like, well, I, I think there's a parallel there because I have this fear that while Justin Fields and Jared Goff are extremely different quarterbacks, I have this fear that if Justin Fields is not a Chicago bear next year, he could go on and have a similar resurgence with a different franchise. And if that's the case, let me ask you this, Johns. If I told you right now, you're Ryan Poles and I'm, I don't know. I'm uh, a football God, which obviously (laughs) a football God. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Tom I'm Brady. A, You're Tom Brady. Okay. I'm Tom Brady. I could see the future. And I'm telling you that if you keep Justin Fields, Mr. Poles, he will never become anywhere close to Patrick Mahomes or myself, Tom Brady. But he will basically have the Jared Goff career the rest of the way. Would you take that? 
or do you want to go door number two or door number three with I Caleb think, Williams or officially your guy, Drake I, May? I think you go door number two. And I mean this like respectfully of, of Jared Goff, which is kind of similar with Kirk Cousins. Like you take those numbers, you take those wins, you take that winning percentage, you take all of that, but there's a reason why the Rams traded him. There's a reason why the Rams won the Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford. Like, isn't that the the end goal here? So if, if that's like the ceiling for Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, like very good quarterback, makes the playoffs occasionally, wins a playoff game occasionally, and that's it. Like, it's tempting because the Bears quarterback situation is just flat out stunk over the years. But I think you want a little bit better, right? If I'm yeah. Mr. Poles, who won a championship with... Mr. Mahomes, that's what I'm thinking about. There's a lot of different avenues you can go down there. I mean, you could also argue that, I mean, the like Rams. I'm going down Super Bowl lane, though. Like, No, I get it, the, but the Rams also angle. sold out years and years of draft picks and but they, it, it cap worked. space. Yeah, but it almost didn't. I mean, the Bengals had the ball in a one score game and this isn't hand grenades and horseshoes. They won it all, man. I know. I, I'm just saying they're, they're like the Cubs in, in 2016. I mean, it all worked. They did get the championship, but they were this effing close to it being a, a catastrophe. Yeah, but they did it. They did do it. So they almost do doesn't count for me in a sense because they did it. I know okay. what you're saying. No, I, 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 I just, it's a fascinating question that honestly, I wasn't even planning on asking, but it kind of, I mean, that's a tough call because I know a lot of former bears, you know, that played in the Lovey Smith era that would say, man, if we had Jared Goff, we maybe we win two Super Bowls, you know, just a little bit more stability at quarterback with that defense and those special teams. Now it's a different era if we're being honest, but it's just, it's interesting to think about it that way. I, uh, I'll tell you this. I mean, if you told me that he's Jared Goff for the next two years, I'm probably keeping him and picking up the fifth year option and trying to draft, you know, some studs around him for at least the next two years. That's a different conversation because I put this in my column today. It's like the Alex Smith situation. You build this, this offense that goes to the playoffs that puts up a bunch of points, a bunch of yards with pro bowlers really at every single level. And then you, th- then you're done with Alex Smith. You're bringing the younger, better quarterback. Like, but yeah. so that like offense for the chiefs, which Ryan Poles helped assemble was like ready for something else. Like they were ready for Patrick Mahomes. Are you suggesting the lions might go down that road? Ooh, poor Jared Goff. <laughs> well, Jared Goff could be the Alex Smith in this thing. Yes, yes, yes. That's, it's the NFL. It could be yeah. a ruthless profession, but <laughs> to have that happen twice in one man's career, it's brutal, but it's the NFL. And it is uh, it is the NFL. Well, we'll hear from Colton Pounce here in a little bit to, to maybe hear his thoughts on that idea. Um, hopefully, you're following us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Our show account is at Hogan Johns. You can get all of our merch, including that shirt that Johns is wearing right now, at Hogan Johns. Dot com. Um, and it is official. Justin Fields, I guess it's not official until he's actually out there on the field. But uh, Matt Eberflew saying Justin Fields it will get the start this week. Justin Fields spoke to the media yesterday. Everybody's on the same page here. Tyson Beijing goes back to the backup 
role, and and now it becomes um, somewhat of a seven-game audition for Justin Fields to keep his job. Do you think that that idea is fair? Like that this is this, or do you think decisions have already been made? Um, I have this in my column today. Um, one, I think he has to change opinions at Hallis Hall. Two, part of those opinions at Hallis Hall, like I think this is the best situation that Justin Fields has walked into in his Chicago Bears tenure. Low bar, I know, but this offensive line is playing well. It's churning out yards on the ground without Justin Fields, so it should even work even better with Justin Fields. You have DJ Moore, Cole Komet, both top 10 in their positions. This is the best situation Justin Fields has ever been in with the Chicago Bears. Now, what yeah, can he it, do with it? Yeah, to your point, I mean, this is uh, probably the best the offensive line has been. They're as healthy as they've been. The weapons around all healthy, except for maybe question mark Khalil Herbert right now. But Deontay Foreman was on the injury report, too. Um, Not too worried about that, necessarily. I agree with you. I agree with you. And even though, you know, a lot of people still have legitimate questions about Luke Getze, you know, this is year two in an, in an offense that is working a lot better than, uh, than it ever was that first year that Justin Fields was in, you know, Nagy system. So, and by the way, on the Luke Getze thing, you can certainly quibble and we have about certain play calls and situations, but the bottom line is that they are a top rushing team. They are, they've been Number really two. good. They've been really good on third down and they've been really good in the red zone. So there's a lot of numbers there that suggest that while it's been frustrating at times, even with a four game stretch with a backup, uh, maybe it's not as bad as or as dire as as people think under Luke Getze so far. Um, but it is time and we'll talk a little bit more about some of the bear stuff and, and our over unders later and our three big questions. Let's talk about the Lions. A little bit. Colton Pouncey covers the Lions for The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter, and you should be following him, especially this week, for everything from the Lions side, at Colton underscore Pouncey. Colton, uh, what's going on, man? Appreciate you jumping on with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, the Lions are uh, doing pretty well here, and still surprising to me, but uh, yeah, it's been <laughs> a fun team to cover so far. Yeah. It's surprising for all of us. No doubt. <laughs> we, we can't go to our go-to joke. The Lions are the Lions. Um, so who are the Lions? I guess put it this way. We hear so much about Dan Campbell, but maybe take us through what the Lions are doing so well to be, what, 7-2 and two right yeah. now? Yeah. You know, the Lions have kind of established their identity, I think, this year. But, I mean, if you want to go back to last year, I think you can even do that, the final 10 games there. Um, you know, they said back then they want to be a team that runs the ball. Uh, is unapologetic in the decisions they make. They're going to go for it on fourth down. They're going to be aggressive. They're going to punch you in the mouth and, you know, uh, kind of emulate this sort of Dan Campbell style. And I think they've done that uh, so far this season. When you look at uh, the offense, the defense, uh, Dan Campbell's fingerprints are really all over this team. Um, most recently in the Chargers game, you know, he went for it a bunch on fourth down, um, including late in that game on a fourth and two that basically won it for them. So uh, this Lions team knows who they are. They're confident in the players they have. Um, the offensive line, they feel like they can run it down anyone's throat. Um, with a quarterback like Jared Goff, they feel comfortable with him back there operating the offense. And defensively, they've got some young pieces that are, you know, starting to come along and, and grow. And so um, it's been this year so far has been everything they've wanted um, and the internal growth they've wanted for sure. We were just talking about Jared Goff 
And how is he viewed right now in Detroit? I mean, I think from the outside, it's hard not to have, you know, a lot of respect for how, you know, he's kind of rejuvenated his career and fit what the Lions are doing right now. But I mean, is he considering the Rams went on to win the Super Bowl without him and with Matthew Stafford? How I mean, is there faith in Detroit right now that Jared Goff can get the Lions over the hump in the playoffs? Yeah, you know, I think the first step is making the playoffs, which they didn't they didn't do last year. And for all the hype they got this offseason, that was sort of in the back of their minds. Like, we weren't good enough last year. So let's, you know, run it back with Jared Goff and see how far he can take us first before we kind of make any decisions. But um, in terms of what he's done this year, I mean, he's been, you know, nothing short of incredible for them. Um, uh, you know, Brad Holmes said in the off, in the offseason that uh, it's easier to get worse at quarterback than just get better. So while a lot of people want to, like, move on from a quarterback like Jared Goff, when he's playing like this at a, at a pretty high level, you know, why make the move? Maybe, you know, figure that out down the road instead of in the moment. So, um, you know, he's been great this season. He's has full command of this offense under Ben Johnson, getting the ball out to his playmakers in space. He has a great offensive line that keeps him upright. Um, and he's putting up some good numbers. So uh, for an offense that's, you know, second in yards per game and, you know, top five in scoring, I think they're pretty comfortable with Jared Goff leading the way. And this is year one of their window, they feel. So um, I think the whole goal is let's get in the playoffs. Let's see how far we can go. And then we'll have that Jared Goff conversation down the road because he is due for an extension in the next couple of years. And um, I think right now the lines are kind of trending towards giving him a contract, but uh, they're still trying to evaluate and see what he does uh, from here on out. So right now he's in a good spot though. So it was this time, like last year, they start one and six and they start just winning and winning yep. and winning. Like, what did you make of that in the moment? And I guess, like, what signs were there that this is not a week-to-week thing, but something that's, like, substantial, like something significant is taking place here? Like, what were those signs for you? Yeah, to me, I think you have to go back to even when they were 1-6. and six, They weren't losing games by, like, you know, three touchdowns or four touchdowns. They were right there in the fourth quarter against some really good teams, like, you know, the Cowboys, the Eagles, um, the Dolphins back then. Um, so they're – kind of tighten these games and they just couldn't get over the top. And to me, you know, I do think they were waiting on some young players to develop um, and kind of like get their, their footing in this league. Um, and they felt like it was a matter of time. And even behind the scenes, they were kind of echoing that message from, from Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes. Uh, we're close. We just got to kind of keep pushing through here. Like we're, we're going to find a way to win and learn how to win. And you look at some of those games in the second half, they were just closing them in the fourth quarter, you know, and that bears game in Chicago, I think they were down 24-14, found a way to come back and win that. Um, there are a couple of the games in the second half of the season where they were down, but, you know, had this sort of – they dug deep and, and said, you know, we've won some of these games in the past. We've got a little taste of that. Let's keep it rolling. And they were able to go, you know, eight and two of the final ten games. They established this sort of identity, I think, last season, late, late last, last season, I should say. Um, they've just carried that over this year. So I think if I was looking for a turning point, it would be that stretch, but it's still – kind of hard to point to one thing like it's it's hard to just say oh their young players got got better but i think that's some somewhat of some of what it is um but really i think they just kind of found their identity and kept believing in the message coming from the top down and uh kept it rolling there so the head coach here you know keeps saying we're close we're close we're close and i don't know that there's quite that same belief that it that they're actually that close but i think that's that's kind of the hope is that they have uh they are the bears are three and three in their last six and if you know the hope is that they can if they can kind of continue that track at least somewhat the rest of the season then all of a sudden you know they're maybe at seven wins and it doesn't look so bad 
when when the Lions were one in six last year, though, did I mean, did people believe that they were that close, uh, or was it was it kind of falling on deaf ears like it sort of is right now in Chicago? Yeah, you know, for a story I wrote before the season um, on Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes, I asked people kind of in the front office behind the scenes, what was it like during that one and six stretch? And Chris Spielman, you know, who's a legendary Lions player, uh, former broadcaster, he's now a special assistant with the team. Um, you know, he was hired to kind of read the room, uh, basically for the owners. And he told me I had every belief that they were going to push through. And I never saw any rolling of the eyes, you know, anyone tuned out. And he's seen that before in other locker rooms. Um, so he said, I never had that feeling that, you know, guys were checked out that I think everyone had the attention, um, of Dan Campbell. Um, I think Dan Campbell had their attention and they were kind of working together to kind of push through that effort. So I think that's probably the biggest sign, you know, when Matt Patricia was here, there was definitely a lot of rolling of the eyes, definitely a lot of, Oh, here we go. You know, um, there's none of that with Dan Campbell when they were one and six last year. And I think they fully believed in the message. It was just a matter of, you know, actually going out and doing it. And, and they did that in the end of the season there. So Dan, Dan, Dan Campbell gets like a, a lot of attention. Yeah. Um, like I'm curious about like Brad Holmes like place in this. Can, like, can you tell <laughs> us like, like more about him? Like just in terms of like the, the personnel decisions that he's made to get, to get this team where they're at right now. Yeah, no doubt. You know, Brad's bread and butter is the draft. Um, that's his kind of, that's his baby there. Uh, so he's all about talent development and getting young players in here and just getting Dan the players he needs to kind of, you know, push through. So um, he's made some moves that are, I think are pretty shrewd, um, you know, trading TJ Hawkinson, who what, it's not like he was a bad player. He just didn't really fit with their timeline. He was due for a big money extension, wanted to be one of the highest paid tight ends in football. And for a team like the Lions back then, when they were one in five or one in six, whenever they traded him, um, he just didn't really fit in with the timeline. And they wanted to pay probably other young players that were going to be due for extensions in the coming years. Um, so you move on from him and you trade him to a division rival. A lot of people here were upset at the time. They're like, why would we trade one of our best players to the Vikings? Like we're going to see him twice a year going forward. Um, but in, in Brad's mind, it's like that's extra capital for us to help our team. So they end up getting, you know, a higher second round pick in that trade. Um, you know, they used it to, I think that pick ended up being Hennon Hooker, but also in the second round, um, you know, they traded down from six to number 12. You, you draft Amir Gibbs there. You pick up number 34. Then you use that pick to draft your tight end in the future in Sam Laporta. And Sam Laporta, I think, fits more of what they want out of a tight end. I think he's a little bit better blocker than TJ. Um, does more damage over the middle, yards after the catch. Um, so he's like their guy. And so Brad will make moves like that where he'll, he'll give up on a, a talented player and go get his guy. You know, now you have Laporta for the next four years on a rookie deal making however much money, you know. So I think moves like that kind of demonstrate how Brad is. He likes to operate behind the scenes, whereas Campbell is more front-facing role. Uh, but they work really well together. They're pretty much on the same page, step-by-step. Um, step. They never make a decision with if the other guy doesn't sign off on it, which you don't always have in the NFL. Um, and so their relationship is kind of perfect for the Lions and what they want to do. And it's kind of funny because they were drafted, you know, it wasn't like Holmes went out and drafted Campbell. They were drafted simultaneously from the front office as they were kind of doing their coaching and GM search at the same time. So it's a weird marriage, but it works in a way just because they, they're both so different, but they both come together and kind of complement each other well. So Ben Johnson's a hot name right now, and rightfully so. Uh, Two-part question on him, because I think we sometimes make a mistake uh, when it comes to hiring head coaches that you, you know, um, take these coaches that are tied to these incredible quarterbacks 
and maybe they're getting a little more credit than they they probably deserve. But in in this case, with what Ben Johnson's done with Jared Goff, first of all, how much credit does he get in sort of revitalizing Jared Goff's career here? But then, two, to me, the always more important thing is how does that translate to him being a head coach? You're around him more. I've never even met Ben Johnson. Like when yeah. when you when you talk to him, when you get the vibe about what players look at him, I mean, does he have head coaching material? I think he does. And I, I I don't know if I would say this a year ago around this time, just because that was his first taste of being an OC and kind of, you know, having a front facing role like that. But he's definitely grown the last year and a half. Um, he deserves a ton of credit for golf and, and kind of the turnaround there, because I think when golf first got to Detroit, you know, Anthony Lynn was his OC and Lynn had a very specific, you know, West Coast offense that, you know, wasn't quite a fit for, for golf strengths. And so when Ben Johnson came in, the first thing he did was kind of review some tape, go back to some stuff that he did well in L.A., work with him to craft an offense around him. And I think that's what separates so many good OCs from the from the bad OCs. Like some OCs are so stuck in their ways. They don't want to change the offense for the personnel and they just want to get players that fit. Whereas Ben Johnson, um, you know, he's seen a lot of football in his time and he's a really smart dude. Got a math degree from North Carolina. Um, so he's a guy that will say, no, I'll take your player and I'll, I'll, I'll figure out his best strengths. We'll make it work within the frame of the offense. I think that's what makes him such a special OC. Um, you know, and having the players like he does in Detroit, I think certainly helps, you know, right. The offensive line in place, uh, some skilled players like Amara St. Brown, now David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs, um, but he's making it work. And I think he does have future head coaching chops, just a matter of, I think, when, not if. How does he use like Montgomery and, and Gibbs? And I know Montgomery was, was out for a bit. Um, though he, he returned the other game and he had like an 85 yard touchdown run. 75. Yeah. 75. I mean, that's, it's outstanding. Um, like, how does he use both of them? Um, I know Montgomery has is more carries, but if you draft the guy in the first round, he's got to see the field. So take yep. us through it. Yeah, you know, this last game against the Chargers was probably the first time we've been able to see both of them be effective in the same game. You know, early in the season, it was like Gibbs missed some time, so they were kind of leaning on Montgomery. Um, at other times, Montgomery missed some time, and Gibbs was able to step in and do his thing. Uh, but they're both back for this Chargers game. And that was sort of the big question out here. How can you get them both going at the same time? And uh, it was a true timeshare. You know, one one series they would have Gibbs in there. One series they would have Montgomery in there. And those guys kind of push each other. Push each other. Um, Montgomery's kind of taking on this big brother role for Jameer. Uh, so when Jameer started off hot and had two touchdowns early, Montgomery's like, oh, I can't let you get all. I need, I need a touchdown on my own. Talking on the bench like that. Um, and then a couple of series later, Montgomery went out there and had a 75-yard touchdown run. So uh, those guys push each other to bring the best out of each other. And I think the way the Lions are using them now, I think it's going to be more of this timeshare role. Um, Dan Campbell said the other day, uh, you know, this is a coach that came from New Orleans. So he was there for Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara and the two-back system that they used. So he wanted to bring that over to Detroit and finally got the pieces that he needed in Gibbs now with this draft pick. Um, So he said, you know, I think it's really hard when you're giving one running back all the carries because that's a position that, takes a beating, you know? Um, so when you have two effective guys that are different and have different set of skills, they can play off each other. You can kind of ride the hot hand if you need to, or mix it up or show a different look. Um, so I think they're very comfortable with the two backs they have and went out and got those guys for a reason. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, that falls under the, what you were talking about earlier with Brad Holmes too. I mean, it's not like the Lions running back room was was bad, at least not in my opinion. I mean, they, they went out and just totally remade it with um, – Somewhat of a pricey contract for David Montgomery. Not you know, not terrible, but 
definitely some money and then a first round pick on a running back. I mean, both of those things viewed sort of in the eyes of football are, are somewhat frowned upon, but it seems to be paying off. Yeah, no doubt. Um, that like like you mentioned, that was another shrewd mood um, by by Brad there uh, because they had Jamal Williams, who was a fan favorite. You know, everyone loved him out here. Uh, great locker room presence, but I think when he had a chance to get a back like Dave Montgomery, who's you know younger, more effective, um, you know, I think more powerful than even Jamal. Um, you know, I think they felt that was a better investment when you're paying them, especially like Jamal was going to get like four or five million. You just pay David six. You know, it's only a couple extra mil, so I think they were co- comfortable paying that. Um, and getting Jameer, you know, he's a player that Brad loved. I think Brad said he would have been comfortable taking him at six if he stayed there. Um, so, you know, that was that was definitely one of his guys in the draft. And um, when you see how effective they are together, I think it kind of paints the picture because they have this offensive line in place that they've spent, whether it's first round picks or, you know, money to re-sign these guys. Um, they're in place right now and they wanted two backs that can kind of get to the second level, make guys miss um, and kind of do what they're doing now. So the vision's starting to come together and I think that's what the Lions saw when they went out and had these two dudes. And they're built well up front, aren't yeah. they? You know, they just really in terms, are. yeah, yeah. But that's both sides of the ball, right? Yeah. You look at their defensive line. I mean, um, Aiden Hutchinson is taking a leap. I think uh, one player who I don't think gets enough credit is Ali Mc- McNeil, the third-year defensive tackle. He's been um, incredible. I think his PFF grade, if you're into that, uh, he's I think seventh or eighth overall among defensive tackles. Um, his pressures have gone up. He's been more of a, a factor as a pass rusher. Really great against the run. The Lions run defense is third in the NFL right now. I think Aleem has a lot to do with that up the middle. So uh, they're getting there. They're still not quite where they need to be, but they're definitely um, on the right track there. So how do you view this matchup against the Bears? Um, you know, the Bears do have a, a little bit of a rest advantage coming off a mini by Lions around the West Coast. Obviously, I mean, you know, pound for pound on the roster, the, the, the lines are the better team. The the spread reflects that. But um, I mean, I mean, how do you view, do you view this as a tricky game for the lions or think you, or one they'll just take care of? I would not overlook the bears. I mean, the Lions are coming off an emotional win. You know, the, you get the late field goal. You're, you're riding high. You're coming back against the bears team that you've had some success with over the years. You don't want to overlook them. Um, you don't want this to be a, a trap game. I think Dan Campbell is kind of preaching that. Um, I think there's something dangerous about a team where, you got some guys maybe playing for their jobs, whether it's, you know, Justin Fields or um, Iberflus, you know, you never know. Um, so I, I think with a team like the Bears, it's kind of young and hungry. The Lions were there a year ago, you know, like these these teams are trying to win, trying to be competitive. They're not going to lay over uh, for anyone on the schedule. So I think the Lions probably know that better than most teams just based on where they were last year and how they dug themselves out of a hole that all takes us, you know, one or two of these games kind of get on a winning streak here. So um, def- definitely on the mind of some players and coaches here in Allen Park. It's a unique like strength versus strength. Like they both want to run the ball, yep. but they're both very good at stopping the ball or stopping yep. the, the run as well. So it's like who breaks first or who breaks that one long run that, des- that decides the game. You know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of what what's what's going to get first. So it should be fun. Have you made a pick yet? Um, I've not actually. So we can do Kevin Fishbane hasn't show. bothered you yet for one. <laughs> not yet. I'll be expecting that Slack message here shortly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, we won't hold you to the exact numbers, but uh, you got like sort of a vague Thursday prediction for us. Yeah. Um, I'll go with uh, we'll go twenty-eight seventeen. Uh, okay. Lines. That's still a cover. That, that's still a cover. All right, Colton, we really appreciate it. We'll be following you and your coverage all weekend long. Appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Colton.
All right, there he is, Colton Pouncey from The Athletic. Covering that is not the a line. cover. <laughs> what? 28-17. Yeah. Isn't the line eight? That's the Lions covering. Oh, okay. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, I'm saying the Bears. Lions cover. Okay. Sorry. I'm sorry if it sounded like I was saying the Bears cover. No. No. Did the line go down to eight? I got it at eight for our uh, predictions later. That thing's been... That's interesting because in past weeks, it's been moving away from the Bears. Now it's moving towards the Bears. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Well, we'll get into that here uh, in, in a couple minutes. If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual menswear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box, watching the game later with your friends, maybe get a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces, maybe with a Hogan Johns polo or quarter zip, but they also work seamlessly together. Rowan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Rowan's commuter collection features wrinkle-release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to Roan.com slash Adam and use promo code Adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to R-H-O-N-E.com slash Adam and use code Adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. But uh, the Lions are fascinating to me. I, you know, going back to hard knocks last year, there's the coaching staff is fun. Like there's a lot of. The, the the coaching staff's fascinating. So many Aaron former, Glenn's still there. Yeah, Aaron Glenn, Mark Burnell. Like like there's so many just old older players you know um on that staff. And and Dan Campbell's fun. You know? Credit to the Lions. They flipped this thing around. I don't know if they're still Super Bowl worthy, but we'll we'll find out here in a few months, I guess. Well, Jared Goff has to be Super Bowl worthy. He's gotten the team to a Super Bowl. But yes. he has to win it. Not sure he got him there, but yeah. He was part of a team that got there. Yeah. Very good. No, he team. was there. I think they and scored three the points. The old Vic Fangio game plan used by Bill Belichick that stopped him. Yeah, they uh yeah. Yeah, they a lot of stories on that since then. Um they scored three points in that game. Do you want to continue our conversation about Luke Getzi and Justin Fields here before I get to our three big questions? Sure. So, like, do you buy into like ESP like there's so many advanced measurements out there now you know the pass block win rate run block win rate from ESPN like do you buy into that a bit oh yeah yeah okay I do so the Bears offensive line right now ranks sixth sixth in pass block win rate and fourth in run block win rate so I think that goes back to the importance of these games for Justin Fields. Because if the offensive line's winning their pass blocks, you shouldn't be getting sacked. I'm not saying you can't get sacked, but let's see that sack rate be
be what it was the last four games with Tyson Bajan under center. Like, let's see that thing come down. Let's not have conversations Monday over, oh, man, the Bears had, they took five sacks in this game. Uh, Maybe one or two were the offensive line's fault. The other three were the quarterback. You know, like, let's avoid that on Monday. That matters. I think that's a huge part of this evaluation for Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like I looked at some of the historical stats or or career like split stats for Justin Fields. Let me just throw out some other numbers for you. Just just things to think about when Matt Eberflus is talking about consistency, like looking for consistency. So Justin Fields' sack rate is twelve point nine percent. Tyson Bajan, 3.4%. Interception rate for Justin Fields, 3.7%. Bajan is actually worse at 4.2%. Completion percentage, Fields, 61.7%. That's 27th in the league, according to Pro Football Reference, among qualified quarterbacks, which also includes Tyson Bajan, who is 17th. So some split stats for you. Um, On third downs in his career, Justin Fields is completing less than 60% of his passes for 13 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. He has 37 sacks on third downs for a 70.7 pass rating. I'm not even going to tell you what like Patrick Mahomes numbers are on third downs. Joe Burrows, they're just like out of this world, right? But like Derek Carr, significantly better than that. Just, just for example. Okay. When trailing Justin Fields is completing 58.8% of his passes. 22 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. Here's the big number. 67 sacks. Yeah. For an 80.2 passer rating. Point is, uh, those are some numbers. Those are some numbers. Um, Great stats. We need to rewind, though, about, I don't know, 60 seconds. Because there is a bubble with a thumbs down that just popped up over your head. And anybody watch on YouTube... What? How did that happen? Did you do that? (laughs) No, I believe, and I've never done this, but I believe it's it's like part of the new Mac interface where you can like do hand gestures and things pop up on your. Did it happen? No, it's not there. I know. I know. Kent had to see it, dude. I'm not making this up. There was a (laughs) bubble that popped up over your shoulder with thumbs down. That's creepy. I think if you do like two thumbs up, it does something. I've seen this before. I think you accidentally did some type of hand gesture that made up a thing pop up on the screen. Any and anybody watching on YouTube, I'm trying to get it now. I know. Maybe I should just read off more stats. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe <laughs> that was crazy though. I just didn't want. It. We couldn't not acknowledge that it happened because people watching on YouTube are like, "What the hell was that?" Well, now I have to see it. Yeah, now I have to see it. It's like that one time. My son like snuck his face into like the uh, what were we doing like a night show and he like snuck his face into like our shot here and you thought it was a ghost. Oh yeah, that was creepy. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, the memories of post game episodes. Um. All right, we should get to our three big questions. All right, hold on, let me pull it up. Number one. If this is the last, do I got a typo there, Kent? If this is the last we've seen of Cody Whitehair. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Let's try this again. Mm-hmm. Is this the last we've seen of Cody Whitehair? 
question. And if so, please sum up his career. Well, one, I don't think it's the last we've seen at Cody Whitehair. Because I, and Kent's putting up a, a tweet from Kyle along on the screen right now, said uh, Cody Whitehair has played a long time for the Bears. He's played hurt, been moved around back and forth between positions. He never complained once. He's out of the lineup Sunday. Instead of celebrating, how about tipping your cap? I'm sure the guys in the room have. Um, and then, of course, the first response is from some <laughs> moron on Twitter saying most overpaid bear of all time, which is just couldn't even be. I mean, that's just so far from the truth. Um, Cody Whitehair, I, I don't think he I don't think we've seen the last Cody Whitehair because I think it's. Just look at the track record of some of these guys. Someone's going to get banged up. Cody Whitehair is going to be back in there. Um, and I agree with that tweet from Kyle Long because Cody Whitehair has been extremely durable. He's been versatile. He's been mostly reliable. The snaps were sometimes a problem, seemed to get worse when he was at center. But when he was at guard, and just the fact that he had that versatility to go back and forth to begin with, um, like so many other players, eventually time and reps catch up to you. And I think that's what we've seen recently. But if you're going to have some type of take that Cody Whitehair wasn't that good or is extremely overpaid uh that's just extreme recency bias and you're not taking into account what he's met in the locker room how dependable he was on the field for the most part um and really what he's meant to an offensive line that go ahead go 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 spend some time looking at who is playing to his left who is playing to his right who was coming in and out. How many times that offensive line has changed around him and he's been the one guy there the whole time. And yeah. that's a testament to him. There's a reason why he's still here. Like stuck along, stuck around through John Fox, Matt Nagy, and into the Matty Bruflus era. There, there's a lot of reasons why he's still here now. Yes, his play is fading, but sum it up. Solid career. I'm telling you, if he's like on another team drafted by a, a better organization with less change, you know, you're talking about him having, you know, probably a couple more Pro Bowl appearances. Like he, he he's had a couple years that were that good. Just played for for bad teams with different quarterbacks, different offensive coordinators, so many offensive line coaches, caught up in a lot of change. But a solid Bears career. And I agree with you. I don't think we're done seeing him. Number two, TJ Edwards holds the record for tackles by a Bears linebacker through 10 games. How about that? Do you consider him a hit in free agency? Wow. If so, is Tremaine Edmonds a miss? Uh, well, I think he's a hit in the sense that, I mean, for the money you're paying TJ Edwards which is not even in the same stratosphere as Tremaine Edmonds. 
Um, that's a pretty impressive stat. And yeah, I mean, I don't know how you wouldn't view it as a hit. That's that's pretty good. He's got a couple limitations, but you know, I, I think for the value that you got TJ Edwards at, it's a it's a it's a good contract. It's you're getting the production that you're asking for. Um, would you like some more game changing plays on the ball at times? Sure, but that's kind of why they signed Tremaine Edmonds, which I guess gets he to the, got sec- the big money contract. Yeah, this this gets to the second point of this con this conversation. And um I mean I'm not ready to call it a miss, but I think to this point it's been a little underwhelming. It's a great way to between, put it. Between games missed and just the overall lack of of game changing plays. But um I like Tremaine Edmonds. I, I never questioned signing him. I questioned spending the money there when I had this feeling that Jack Sanborn could be. Let's put it this way. For Tremaine Edmonds to be a hit, he needs to show that he's better than when Jack Sanborn comes in and plays his position that he's doing things, that he covers the field better, that he covers more space, that he's able to get his hands on the football more. Because otherwise, if it's just coming down to finding the ball and making tackles, Jack Sanborn, quite frankly, has been better. So that's where, when this is all done with Tremaine Edmonds, that's got to be the question that is answered. You want, for that money, that contract, turnovers, takeaways, ball production. Just not there. Now he's not playing. He's injured. But yes, TJ Edwards, local kid, Lake Villa, Lakes High School. He's been a hit so far. Tremaine Edmonds, you want you want more from. 100% you do. Number three. Is this a good game for Justin Fields versus the Lions? 62% completion percentage. 231 yards passing. 88.3 passer rating. Those are the averages of all quarterbacks versus the Lions this year. And I'll throw in, let's say, one touchdown pass and two sacks. No turnovers? One turnover. I don't think that's enough to prove that he's, in a one-game sample, that's not enough to... As you put it earlier in the podcast, change the minds of some people inside Al's Hall. It's a solid game. It's not an awful game. It's not an awful game, but it's also not a great game. Did the Bears win that game? I don't I mean, that's another part I'd say. There are two numbers I'm watching with him. It's his turnover rate and it's his sack rate. If those improve. I think he improves his standing within Hell's Hall. Truthfully, I, I think it's as simple as that. You you hear Matt Eberflus praise Tyson Bajan's game against the Carolina Panthers. Not impressive, really, right? But he didn't turn the ball over. When you have a defense playing like they're playing right now, that's ex- extremely important. Limiting negative plays, limiting turnovers. Forget limiting. How about eliminating sacks and eliminating turnovers? That helps you play winning football when your defense will keep you in games. Watching those numbers. Yeah. 
That's a good. I mean, that's it's kind of right in the I don't know the middle zone of those are that's like an acceptable s- stat line, but not exactly what you're looking for. I feel like right now that exactly. makes sense. All right, over unders. This is from Ryan. Three and a half times they show Tyson Bagent on the sideline. I'm going way over. Yeah, I'd say over, 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 over. I mean, you're getting like ten plus. 10? I don't know. Yeah, you'll that. get like the random ones where it's just like you're focusing on fields. Yeah. Tyson Bagent's right next to him. You'll get at least two or three where they, they show Tyson Bagent's numbers. Okay. The, the well, if you're counting that, then yes. I mean, I'm still going to take the over, but I think it'll be like maybe four times that they go ISO. Okay. ISO. Bajan. Yes. Then four. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still taking the over. Uh, this is from Henry Ro- Roman Gardner. Isn't that the, the, the name of the pitcher from. Um, Rookie of the year. The year? Yeah. yeah. So I don't think this is a real name here, but I like this one. Oh, it's him. Tim. That's, that's him. It's definitely him. The yeah. actor or the some AI version of the rookie of the year kid. No, that's a real. This is not an actor. That's a real kid. He really played for the Cubs. <laughs> yeah, they wish. Um, number of broadcast close-ups on Fields' thumb. I think you get. I'm going. He's got two and a half. I'm going on there. Thomas Ian uh, Nichols. Thomas Ian Nichols is the name of the actor. He was also in American Pie. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Um, he was like the first American Pie. Like he was a, a, a bigger storyline, and he kind of faded into like not major storylines. Remember that? Well, look, he went from pitching for the Cubs to like <laughs> being a drunk high school teenager. Yeah. I mean the the. The, the arc there wasn't he was going downhill it's crazy uh i'm gonna go over yeah i mean they're gonna they're gonna zoom in on that thumb a lot especially if he's shaking over? it at all oh okay yes feeling it out yeah i did find it disconcerting a little bit that um he said it wasn't 100 percent that he still feels some pain yeah not good we'll see it's football this is from our fr- friend of the show mason west David Montgomery, angry revenge runs for 10-plus yards. I like this. Two and a half. I'm going under. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say under. The Bears' run defense has been pretty good. I do think the way that that's phrased, I'm going under. I like the way it's phrased. David yeah. Montgomery, angry revenge runs. But if you said over under 30-plus yard run a half, I think I take the over on that. Like, I do Ooh. think he breaks off one big run in this game, but does he get three runs over 10? I'm going to take the under. I think you get at least five or six examples of like, oh, that is an angry revenge run. Yeah. Where he's breaking tackles. He's spinning out of them like he does. Um, violent stiff arms, just a violent run. Like, oh, that's an angry revenge run. I, like, I really like the phrasing of that. Angry revenge run. Well done, Mason. Well yeah, done. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, this is from Dustin. Montez sweat sacks over under one and a half. I'm going under. I'm calling this sack, though. He's getting one. Uh, yeah, we keep saying that, but he hasn't had one yet. Been two games. I know. I mean, he had, he had four quarterback hits last week, though. Yeah, I'll take the under. Okay. This is from Drang. Over under two and a half sacks on Justin Fields. I'm going under it 
two. Yeah, I'm going over. Over? Yeah. Oh. If it's over, then the game's over. Like you're talking like way over three, four. Yeah, well, way over is not well, three would just be over. I don't know why way over. I, I look, Aiden Hutchinson's good. He's gonna get a sack or two. Just it's it's a solid D line. And I just don't trust I until I see it. I don't I don't trust Justin to get rid of the ball. Okay. Fast enough. There's a large sample size that so shows he's probably gonna get sacked three times in this game. Yeah, you're probably right. Very high sack rate. This is from Billy. Number of tricks up Iberflus's sleeve this week. Set at two and a half. We got some things up our sleeve, so. Uh, I, this is where we have a we what uh, we have. I think we have different definitions of what's up the sleeve, right? Uh, like, well, I, I think defense, right? Everyone, I think he everyone thinks, thinks like you know like a blitz is a flickers. <laughs> yeah, he thinks a blitz is a trick up his sleeve. Yes, absolutely. That's not a trick up your sleeve. That's a trick that's just in your hand that you just <laughs> you do. It's a blitz. Well, maybe he's got like uh, the uh, the quarterback armband, like yeah, the wristband. Like, yes. Okay. Ooh, which trick am I gonna do here? Um, I do think he's gonna have some some tricks for Jared Goff. He's gonna get after him a bit. Um, maybe some Vic Fangio like patience in terms of showing their coverages. You think Jerry Goff's having a good day? Look at your look at your face. You think Jerry Goff's going for a hundred and five pass no, rating? Look, if 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 we're going the Eberflus definition of tricks, then I'm gonna say over. But I wanna see like, you know, let's see a fake punt. How about that trick? Ooh, okay. How about that trick? There, there was a someone asked over under on Adam Hogue special teams mentions on the post game podcast, and all I did was respond to that one with like a Michael Scott gif of just frustration. <laughs> the punt return, Bears special teams have been solid, but the punt return game needs to. You want some tricks? What's up, tricks? Let's go. Okay, maybe an onside kick. <sighs> when we, when I covered that Duke North Carolina game, I saw a uh, fake punt. Who ran it? Uh, Duke. And it worked. Yeah, they had to do everything they could to stay in the game with Drake May. Yeah, Oregon I think ran the best fake I've seen all year. It was earlier in the year, week two or something. How about does this qualify as a trick for Maddie Berflus? A tush push, but. The one that you saw was it Illinois? I forget who ran it. Where it was, like um, uh, fumble ruski tush push. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, here's the thing though. This was the game last year where the Bears ran that toss out of the Cole Komet sneak. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. It was in Detroit. They went under center last week. Now can they? I don't. I probably wouldn't run that against Detroit again. I would hope that they're ready for it this time. But that can also, uh, you know, just don't mess with what's working there. There's no need to trick the, the tush push. Just run it. Get your first down. Run your first down play. So I'm going under just in terms of overall tricks. Yeah, real tricks under. Floose tricks, way over. over. Did we see what was up your sleeve? Or I don't know. What's up yours? 
love it. I love that. <laughs> What's up yours? All right, let's get to this game. It is a Fox noon game. Nice to have a noon game. By the way, we're having a watch party in Oklahoma. Uncle Bud's. If you want to come come out for this road game. I don't know why the first thing I've heard, like the first thing I envisioned when you said Uncle Bud's was like Bud Bundy. Okay. Well, I haven't even asked you this. Are you are you covering the Bears this weekend or a college football game? I am. I'm going to Detroit. Oh, okay. Does Michigan have a home game this weekend? No, they have Maryland, I believe. Because that would have been Ohio the play State. to hit up Ann Arbor and Detroit. No, no. I try to see. I, I want to see these quarterbacks. If I'm going to games, I want to try to see them against quality opponents. Oh, okay. Maryland doesn't count. Not in my book. You just saw North Carolina play Duke. Duke has like a top 25 defense. <laughs> yes, I knew that. Doing a good job. Okay, good for you. All right. <laughs> um, Fox noon. I like a good noon game. Uh, Bears at Lions. It's eight point. This was higher earlier. Then I'd spend yeah, five I think it days. opened at nine, nine and a half. Yeah, and I spent five days talking about how the Bears were going to cover. Now I'm a little bit on the fence because it came down. I got to pick it against eight. All right. Um, Bold predictions. I'm going to say Justin Fields accounts for three touchdowns in this game. Whoa. I don't think this Lions defense is outstanding. I think you're going to get more of a mixed bag where you're going to get some frustrating sacks, maybe a fumble with that thumb. But I think the Bears move the ball, and I think whether it's him throwing or running, he's going to have three touchdowns. And it would not surprise me if one of those is a big, you know, like 40-yard touchdown run, which we really haven't seen as much as last year. We have not. We have not. You know, can I say something, too? Like, Luke Getze, does he deserve credit for us seeing all that last year? Like, right? What do you mean? That's the big runs? The the design runs? Yeah. You know, the, the scramble opportunities like, well, I am curious with that thumb, how much of that they're going to do. I mean, Flus basically said earlier in the week, like they're going to have to open that part of the playbook back up, which I hope they do. You can't play scared. If he's cleared to play. Yeah. Go. You got to play. Mm-hmm. And let's see it. So that's my bold prediction. I, well, I think if they have three touchdowns by Justin Fields, your bold prediction might be that they win. Maybe. We'll get to that in a second. What's your bold prediction? My bold prediction. What's this, up yours? Does this qualify as, as bold? Like I think the Bears offensive line and the Bears run game produces more rushing yards. I'm talking about just the backs. Okay. Run for more yards than the Detroit backs. You're saying the Bears good rushing attack out rushes yeah the lions going up against one is a good... seven and two team one is a three win team. yeah but the bears also have one of the best run defenses right, in the league the bears running backs account for more yards and touchdowns than the lions running backs okay that i believe because i think jared goff will probably account for the touchdowns in the air that's bold oh and okay hopefully my guy sam laporta gets a couple uh fantasy touchdowns oh it's all yeah. about you. Yeah, it is. All right. Uh, 
I'm not picking the Bears to win. I do think they cover. I am taking the Lions to win this. The Lions win this game. 27. 24. Hmm. And I've just been debating all morning. Basically, am I throwing that extra field goal in there or not? Is it 27, 21? Is it 27, 24? But either way, that's a cover for the Bears. I'm going with a cover for the Bears. 23, 16. Lions. I think you see more field goals and touchdowns. I do think the Bears will be able to run the ball. I'm just interested to see what Justin Fields is able to do in a loud environment in his first game back with a busted thumb. Okay. There it is. No one here picking the Bears to win. I think there is someone out there in the Bears media group that's picking the Bears this week, by the way. Ooh. And I think his name is Herb Howard. Really? Okay. Yeah. We'll see if anyone else. And if that happens, that qualifies for like a Kyle Long like scream from some type of player. Ha! Adam Johns. Only person in the Bears media that day to pick them against the heavily favored Vikings. Was that Monday Night Football where they just ran all over them? Yep. Um, that was a good call by you. I don't make many anymore. <laughs> It's been a while. All right, let's get to some of these other games. Is there a preference either way to having the you know the hot guy coming from your backside or in front of you? <laughs> Still embarrassing. Thursday night. We got a Thursday night game we're talking about. Prime video. 715. Bengals at Ravens. This is a, this, the primetime slate this weekend is legit. Yeah, about time. And it starts tonight. Must win game for the Bengals. Ravens coming off a bad loss to the Browns. Ravens favored by three and a half. I'm going Bengals with the outright win. Wow. Win. Buying everything they're doing. And I think they're just going to get better. Well, the Bengals have won four straight before they they lost to the Texans. Both these teams coming off bad losses. But I think the Bengals are a little bit more desperate. Um yeah, I am. I agree with you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take the bet. I don't know if they win, but I think they do cover that three and a half. I think the three and a half is a little bit too high. So I will. I will also take the Bengals. Fox <laughs> noon. Still my favorite. I think they found that corner. By the way, I don't know if you can still say that. Fox noon. Uh, this is going up against the Bears game. Chargers are headed to Green Bay. Classic Chargers fashion. They had to return uh, their allotment of tickets because they couldn't send enough Chargers fans to Lambeau Field. So Packer fans got a little extra of uh, some single game tickets that went on sale yesterday. I saw. So Jordan three point underdogs at home. Jordan Love this year. He has completed 58.7% of his passes, 2009 passing yards, 14 touchdowns. 10 interceptions. I just lost all his stats. Hang tight. Hang tight. Point is, uh, those are some numbers. 80.5 passer rating, 46.5 QBR. Sack numbers are only at 19, so not bad. Their offensive line is still pretty good. But, um, yeah, not good. Not good. Give me Justin Herbert. Yeah, Packers suck. Chargers are hard to trust, but um, I'll take the Chargers. I don't feel good about it. I'd, I'd probably stay away from this game in real life, but for the pick, I'm taking... Stay away from it like Chargers fans. 
I don't. Yeah, exactly. I don't like that. It's at three. The dreaded three right there. Um, but whatever. Excuse my French. Absolutely. Fox noon. Giants at Commanders. This Ugh. is the new first pick watch, by the way. I was going to say, like, why are we doing this game? Because according to the Athletics' latest projection model, it's the Giants, not the Panthers, who are projected to have the first pick. Yeah, but the Giants don't have the... the uh, Or the Bears don't have the Giants pick. Well, I think if the Giants have the first pick, I think that changes conversations a bit for the Bears, no? Yeah. Well, anyway, the Cowboys are at the Panthers this weekend. The Panthers are changing play callers again. Well, Cowboys win that one. Yeah, the Cowboys win, so we don't have to. I guess that's why we're. How about the Commanders? Eight and a half point favorites over the Giants. I think you shouldn't be favored by eight and a half against anybody. The Giants are awful, though. Yeah. And you know they're eyeing quarterbacks now. Uh. I'm going to take the Giants to cover, but they're losing. I I do. I am taking the Giants to cover too, but I don't like it at all. I mean, they're really struggling to score right now. Tommy DeVito went to Illinois, right? You did? Okay. Culture, history, spaghetti. These are the things of a boot country called Italia. Hello, I'm Joe Romano of Romano Tours. For two generations, my family has provided high-quality tours of Italy to people from all over the world, but mostly Long Island and Jersey. Every once in a while, we got to give a shout-out to our guy, Joe Romano. The former producer. producer. Yes. You no, know, I ran into Joe on the street uh, outside one of our tailgates earlier this season. Really? I was walking to the tailgate. He was not going to the tailgate, but he was headed to Soldier Field. And, uh, yeah, it's good to see Joe. Still listens all the time. Joey Jojo. Uh, we got a Sunday night game, NBC 720. This is the Vikings at the Broncos. Josh Dobbs. Back-to-back primetime games here for Mr. Dobbs. He's going Sunday night into Monday night next week against the Bears. Broncos suddenly kind of interesting. Big win over the uh, the Bills. On Monday Night Football, they turn around. They got a home game here. The Broncos are two and a half point favorites against the Vikings. Do you know that Russell Wilson has 18 touchdown passes? Numbers are solid. His numbers are really good. 104 passer rating. He's cooking. He's, he's cooking. He's simmering. Yeah. He's simmering. <laughs> he's simmering. Um, I am taking... I'll take the Broncos to cover. I think they win by a field goal. They've been a fun team to see. Um, although the Vikings just might be a, a decently strong team. They've won five in a row. Defense has been a lot better. Shout out to Brian Flores. Um, I'm going to take the Vikings. Getting the points here. Yeah, I, I'm going to take the Vikings. I think there's a, a, a decent chance they win. I still just don't think the Broncos are that great. They should have lost that game. It's a weird coaching and weird decisions late backing up a game winning field goal All and right, getting I'll, help. I'm going to change my pick and this is going to be a preview to, to next. I don't think they're winning these back to back primetime games. Oh, 
So you're picking the Vikings this week. That means you're picking the Bears next I, I, week. I, I just might. I just might. Is this wanna... our first ever look ahead week? <laughs> week ahead Bears prediction? <laughs> I want to leave that door open for myself. Okay. So, so I'm picking more Dobbs magic this week. And the Vikings. Vikings win. Okay. Yes. Give me the Vikings. Okay. I talked you into that one, I guess. You did, actually. How's everyone doing? This is Nick Foles. Just entered the meeting. Uh, Nick Foles played for both of these teams. Monday Night Football, ABC and ESPN 715. The Eagles head to Kansas City, one of the best games of the year. Monday Night Chiefs, two and a half point favorites. You just know how this is going to play out, right? The Eagles are going to look good for like three quarters but they settle for too many field goals and not touchdowns. And then here comes Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Well, and don't we have the Andy Reid bye week stat here? Oh, yeah. Doesn't he never... Didn't, didn't this... Do I have to look? Didn't they lose this? I feel like he lost one recently. Was that last year or am I making this up? I know what you're talking about, though, in terms of his success. Uh, Come on, we got to... No one's got a story on this this week. Google is failing Adam Hogue. At the yeah, moment. Google is failing Adam Hogue right now. Um, all right. Well, screw that stat. Really, <laughs> <laughs> because I can't find it right now. I'm taking the Chiefs. I'm going to take, again, I'm going to get some points here. I'm going to take the Eagles. Do they, they win? A little bit of a revenge game here coming off the Super Bowl, wanting to prove that they can win. Um, the the Chiefs offense this year has just not been a well-oiled machine. I mean, you brought up Russell Wilson's numbers. I don't know if it's still the case, but at one point he was outpacing Patrick Mahomes. Oh, the Mahomes numbers are down by Mahomes numbers. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. There's all, you know, I don't know, Travis Kelsey spending too much time with Taylor Swift. Good for him, by that's the way. That's not a thing. I that's know that's not, not a thing. thing. Can you really? No. Every my my wife is doing fantasy football for the first time ever, and we're not we weren't supposed to help. She's like in a wives' league, and we weren't allowed to help, so I didn't help. The only thing I said was like, you know, think about the best offenses. You want to draft players and score points, right? You want to yeah. be on the best offense. That's the only thing I said to her. So she she drafts both Mahomes and Kelsey. Pretty solid strategy. Not exactly controversial there. Every week I got to hear a complaint about how they're not really scoring that many points. So there you go. I, I like I, I like the Eagles to win. I, I think the Eagles might win this game. I think the Eagles might win this game. But if I'm getting two and a half points on top of it, I'm picking Philly. I'm sticking by my Chiefs. Did you know this is the first time that Taylor Swift's parents are going to meet Travis Kelsey's parents? I did not know that. <laughs> I wish I did not know that. <laughs> I saw that show up on my Twitter feed like yesterday. I'm like, oh, this is where we're at. Okay. <laughs> is she back from Argentina or wherever that concert was? He went to. He was down there. That's crazy. By the way, anybody who had a problem with that, you're an idiot. No, no problem at all. 
And, and some people are like, yeah, players can fly whatever the hell they want to fly in their bye week. It's their bye week. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. All right. Um, we're out of here. Johnson's going to Detroit. We'll talk Sunday. We'll uh, we'll have a fun post game show. I think it's gonna be entertaining. I actually think it's gonna, I'm I'm intrigued by this game. I like that Justin Fields is back. I think it's fun. I think the Lions are fun. I think the Bears are gonna play better than some of these other games that they've been in at noon on Sundays. Um, Can I give you some quick defensive stats before we go? More Just numbers. To- more numbers. I, I've become like the numbers guy. You are. But I have access to them, so might as well use them. Yeah. Okay. Bears are three and three in their past six games. In those six games, here's where their defense ranks. They're, they're okay. Their pass rush still stinks. Has to be better. Hopefully, Montez Sweat can fix that. But the run D in the past six games ranks first. Pass D, 19th. Total yards, sixth. Third down completion percentage or third down, sorry, conversion percentage, 12th. Limiting explosive play percentage first. Total team defensive EPA fifth. Add it all up. I think you're seeing a good game on Sunday. So take that and think about that for a little bit. That's right, Matt Nagy. There you go. There you go. Nothing's off the table. Nothing is on the table right now. Confirm there is a table. There's a table. You confirm there's a table? There's a table. Oh. But nothing's on it or off it. Correct. All right, real quick, where we go, I want you to do this. But like away from your face and in front of the camera. It's supposed to, no, I think it's too close to the camera. I don't know how you're supposed to do it. It's like balloons are supposed to pop up or something. You gotta like hold it too. It's not gonna work on mine. I don't think mine's set up for it. There you oh! go! <laughs> So what was the thumbs up? Thumbs up will give you thumbs up. You got to so like I, put it out in front of you and hold it. Was I? Oh! <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube, we've now discovered something that could be almost too much fun during interviews and whatnot. The, the only reason why I know about this is because in my fantasy league, my buddy that's the commissioner does these videos every week. They're, they're effing hilarious. And he discovered this, and he started doing these like emojis that pop up in the middle of the videos. And they're great, and I don't know how to do them. I don't know that my I have my settings properly set up. But you accidentally did one earlier, and I knew what it was, but I like I didn't know how to do it. Anyway, I googled that, and now you got it. That's wild. That is wild. So if you're watching on YouTube, Adam Johns is now in the future going to be taking advantage of all these. Uh, Emoji hand signals. If, if the Bears win, you gotta do this one. No, both hands. Both hands. What's what's that, what's both? One hands? is balloons. Although that could still work. And you just get more balloons. There's supposed to be confetti. If you do that. <laughs> no, no. That's crazy. That's crazy. Okay. Um. <laughs> we should. Go. You can do laser beams and fireworks. Oh, okay. Hold on. You can make it rain with two thumbs down. Two, okay. It's raining. <laughs> the uh, Hogan Johns YouTube show will never be the same again. Yeah, just went next level. How about that? Um, sorry if you're listening to the podcast. You're gonna have to check out the the YouTube. 
the last two minutes of the YouTube show where we're just. You should be subscribed to you, our YouTube channel anyway. Find us Hogan Johns on YouTube. Even if you don't watch it there, please go hit the subscribe button. It helps grow the channel. Please hit the like button if you loved all those uh, weird things that Johns just did. Uh, we're uh, weird. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. You can read Johns in The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns is where you go to subscribe. You can find me at allchgo.com. Newsletter coming out tomorrow in advance of this game. Uh, watch party on Sunday at Uncle Bud's in Oak Lawn. Uh, if you want to come, we ask that you RSVP. AllCHGO.com slash events. You can find the info there. And uh, But it is a free event. Any final thoughts, Johns? No. I'm done. Tapped out. No more stats. Finally. All right, we're out of here. We'll uh, we'll talk to you post-game on Sunday. Yeah. We see what was up your sleeve? Or- I don't know. What's up yours?